When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, good day, everybody. This is Alan Carpenter of Tomahawk Take. We're going to do the Tomahawk Take podcast today. And we're doing it with a two-man crew today. Since we've let Jake go off on a rehab assignment somewhere in the minor leagues, I, I'm not sure where, but we'll sort that out whenever we can find him. But in any case, this is Alan, and we, I still have my senior writer here as uh, cohort, Fred Owens. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And we're going to try and see if we can muddle through this together and, and talk about some uh, Braves baseball and other things today. This week is a particularly interesting and special week, though, and we don't want to let that go by unnoticed, and that is the the fact that we have the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks uh, coming up Saturday, the, the day that we'll probably have this thing on the air to y'all. Fred and I are of a generation and age where we remember this fairly vividly, and one thing I, I do want to say is that if, you're, say, under 30 years old. Perhaps you remember some things about it, but uh, I, I want to encourage you to find some uh, resources and information uh, about the attacks because this was a definite day of reckoning in the United States where a lot of things changed. We had a shutdown of our air travel for over a week. Uh, I, I can personally vividly remember staring outside of the sky and it's like there's no planes flying and i was uh in north carolina at the time sort of the glide path near uh, greensboro and its airport and you know planes were common and it was quiet it was silent it was uh, an empty sky and that continued to stick with me travel was uh not encouraged at all at that time. People kind of got uh, back home uh, any way they could for a while because pretty much the United States shut everything down. You, you can liken it to what we've been through last year with the COVID situation, except it was entirely different, really, because it was a man-made attack on the United States that, that brought all this together. 
baseball, of course, shut down as well. They shut down for about eight or nine days over that period. Uh, the Braves, I believe, were either in Philadelphia or playing Philadelphia at the time of the attacks. Uh, those games were made up at the end of the season. But uh, for a while there, things were, were shut down. And you're, you're hearing a lot this week, I, I'm sure, of the fact that the Braves played a role when they came back because uh, the first game that actually occurred in New York uh, after the attacks and, and after things were restored was uh, the Braves going to, to play the Mets in Shea Stadium. And it was an interesting, surreal kind of a uh, event. I know that the Braves lost that game, of course, but uh, as it turns out, it seemed like the, the Braves had a little bit of a difficulty getting themselves back up to to play again once things got started again. Uh, on September 17th, they played their first game back. It was at Philadelphia. They lost that. They lost the next two. Uh, finally salvaged one game in that series against the Phillies uh, on September 20th before they went to New York to, to face the Mets. They lost two out of three to the Mets at the time. That was kind of important in, in terms of baseball standings, maybe not so much in the uh, bigger picture about what was going on in the world at the time. But uh, the Braves, uh, just before 9-11, were up three and a half games, leaders of the division. And by Monday, September 24th, they were tied uh, because they uh, weren't getting things going uh, after uh, things restarted. That changed, and they did manage to come up with enough wins to eke out a division title uh, by two games at the end, and they ended up losing in the NLCS to the eventual World Series champs, Arizona Diamondbacks, that year. But, uh, Fred, with that as a backdrop and an intro, let me uh, see what you uh, remember and, and continue to think about uh, those days 20 years ago. Well, uh, you know, I I lived near a little airport too. It's called Dias Air Force Base, and, and those planes weren't grounded. Um, they were they were flying constantly during that time. See, that was the summer uh, I had a, a small accident. I fell through my roof, and, and oh. uh, I was I was kind of stove up anyway. And I remember that I had contractors coming because to fix the roof that I had fallen through, and. Um, uh, and that I was sitting there sort of in my jammies, if you will, when this came on and I watched the planes fly into the, uh, fly into the towers and my stomach churned and I, I saw the uh, space shuttle disaster and between that and, and I can't watch that video either. The, the, the two in towers going down. And then the the plane in uh, in D.C. Um, and the other one in uh, Pennsylvania. It was for me as a as a military guy. Uh, I my first call was to Florida to see if I could grab a uniform and go do something. And they told me I didn't have enough time left for mandatory retirement, which is probably right. I'd have probably been in the way anyway. But it was. It, you know, we, you talk about a ball game when, when the opposing team just hits a, hits a home run and just sucks the air out of the ballpark. This, this, this event sucked the air out of the country. Yeah. There was my, I knew firefighters. I know a lot of firefighters who went. I know a lot of damage recovery. Of course, that's my background is fire, fire protection. Uh, 
and I know a lot of damage recovery folks. I know the team that went to San Francisco when the when Candlestick had the earthquake, and I know it, I know that they were in New York, and I know other guys from the, that were in the business when I was in the business were there um, doing things I couldn't possibly do. But I watched it unfold, and then the, I just can't watch the video again. It's too is too big of a a, a gut punch, I guess, for me. Maybe I'm just getting old. I remember that uh, Chipper said that um, he was on the field and they fired at the 21 gun salute and stuff uh, on the field and he picked up the um, the brass and he still got that as his memento of the of the game and that he and he and Piazza were talking. Uh, I heard on one of the one of the interviews today that Piazza was uh, was bawling like a baby at the at the pregame. Pre-game ceremonies and the hugs and things were going on, and you know, and then he turns around and does his Superman act and hits the home run and wins it for the Mets, which uh, you know was was probably fitting. Uh, if if the, if a city needed it, anything that was what they needed, and the Braves didn't give anything up. Piazza earned that. As Steve Carsey said that that just ran just enough over the plate for him to get the bat on it. When he hit it, I knew it was gone. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's one of these things that I pray no one ever has to see this again. I've, you know, I've seen a little bit of this. And and when you see and you know that there's thousands of people in, in those buildings in the surrounding area that are are not coming out. And there's just, and it's a horribly helpless feeling for a first responder, knowing that first responders were in the building and aren't coming out. So baseball, baseball is one of the things that brings the country back together. It did it during the Second World War. It did it during Korea. They continued playing during Vietnam. And and when you know when they started the, the thing up again, it started to feel like okay, it isn't normal, but this is pretty close. Uh, and it it was an event that you know I can't imagine. Being in the ballpark that night, I just—I mean, I can imagine a lot of things, but I can't put myself in that position. Uh, and it was just—it was one of baseball's finest hours, if you will, because not only did that happen, but then the World Series, the Yankees, and and President Bush is there at Yankee Stadium, and he goes down and warms up underneath and says, "I'm not going to go out there and look like a fool when I throw this pitch. I'm going to throw a strike." <laughs> and he goes out there wearing a bulletproof vest. And a coat, and if you've ever had one of those on, it's not easy. And he threw a strike. Now I don't know whether George Bush could do that ten out of ten out of a hundred times, but he did it that night, and it was needed that night. And so I think it was, you know, it in the aftermath was one of baseball's finest hours, and one of the things that that no other sport could do. Um, so that's that's where that's where I'm at on this whole thing. Yeah, XM Radio, if you guys have a chance to hear that at all uh, in any uh, way, Sirius XM Radio is doing a series of podcasts about this and baseball's role in the uh, the return, the recovery of, of the country, really. There are lots of things that uh, I, I think have stood out here. The fact that uh, baseball players, the Mets, the Yankees, both were – Going around the city of New York in the days that followed 
just to try and be with people and, and give them a, a sense of comfort and, and caring, and they were uh, very well received. This was Chase an, Stadium was a staging area for the yes. recovery efforts. As a matter of fact, ambulances, um, portable morgues, uh, uh, all the recovery, rest and recovery for the crews was Shea Stadium was a big part of that. And, yeah, so uh, this wasn't just symbolic. This was, you know, substantive that uh, baseball was involved in in the recovery, and and it, uh, I, as I say, I think it was well received, very well received. Uh, a lot of things changed, and and the reason we mark this date is because there are things that are different now because of what happened those days. We've got. Things like uh, the TSA uh, monitoring your entrances to airports. We've got no things like no fly list. We've got stars on our driver's license to to say we've been uh, uh, identified and certified and and such. When and there's more coming with that. Uh, things are different now. Uh, thing we've got a uh, you know phrases like 911 you you say that and everybody knows what you mean uh and it, it when you've got things like that 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 happen that are historic markers in time it, it serves to uh, help us all to remember them and remember what happened remember why they happened and uh, continue to be vigilant about uh things like that in in future i work on a military base there's guys that do, you know, checks all the time. Every, every now and then they'll have a particularly dangerous situation that they're made aware of and, and suddenly, uh, the security measures ramp up significantly. All of that happened after 9-11 as well. Dias is on increased alert now. So you've got, uh, a lot of this kind of stuff that uh, continues because of what happened there. And it, as I say, it serves us all well to understand what these things are and and to recognize what 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 happened and and to understand that it, we've got a different future and a different present uh, as a direct result. With that, I'll I'll stop there because there's a whole lot of people who are doing a whole lot better job of talking about that than than we can in this forum, but. Uh, we do want, like say, to make sure that didn't go unnoticed. We did have some other things going on, some things that in in the news that were encouraging and some things that are sort of interesting. Uh, let me start with the encouraging part and that uh, note from John Heyman this morning that the Braves and Freddie Freeman's representatives are talking and they're talking about a contract extension. However, the less encouraging part of that was that allegedly they are some distance apart and that's concerning because Heyman's thinking that this might uh carry on into a free agency situation for for Freeman. Frankly, I don't know that uh, that is still in the offing, but uh, we are getting obviously towards the end of the season. And if we don't get something done in the next couple weeks, my suspicion is that they're going to shut things down until after the playoffs, or at least till the end of the season one way or another. Uh, and at that point, uh, then we are at a free agency situation. So it's going to be close. It's going to be tight. But we know that the Braves can do these things. Uh, 
We just recently got uh, Travis Darnot re-upped for next year. We got Charlie Morton re-upped for next year in what I think was a brilliant move. Uh, and we'll, we'll just uh, hope that uh, he's as good next year, or at least in the neighborhood of as good this next year as he is this year. But, uh, uh, Fred, what do you think about what we heard today about negotiations with Freddie Freeman? Well, I watched the MLB Network broadcast of the Braves game last week when Ron Darling was on there, and Darling said exactly that. He said he heard that that Freeman and and his his people and the Braves were a long way apart on the money, and that they couldn't get closer. They were having trouble getting close with money, and that he didn't. He sort of felt that Freddie was going to end up hitting free agency, or at least he implied that, whether he said those exact words or not. That was my take on what he what he said. And then this morning, when when Heyman comes out, and I'll tell, I'll say this again: I take everything John Heyman says with a grain of salt and two aspirin, okay? Because <laughs> yeah. because his sources are sometimes flaky, but it does fit. I mean, you look at what the Braves did: they re-upped Darno two two years, eight apiece. They gave Charlie twenty and an option for twenty after that. If he wants to retire, he can. Otherwise, he'd come back and play for twenty. And that was there's a good reason for doing that too. If you let yeah. Charlie hit free agency. He's probably going to retire because the only two teams that he wants to play for uh, that would give him that kind of money are the Rays and us, and the Rays aren't going to give him $20 million. Uh, the Marlins certainly aren't going to do that with their, with their uh, stable of young pitchers. So the Braves said, look, Charlie, let's take this decision off your hand. We'll give you $20 million for next year and an option for 20 after that. And Charlie said, well, hey, I don't have to make that decision. Let me talk to my wife. Everything's fine. So uh, he did. All, he, Charlie was on television during that broadcast saying, telling Darling that he made a decision about this was a family thing. So he apparently had talked to his lady wife, and, and they decided that, yes, this was a good thing. He liked being in Atlanta. It was close to home. Now, you look at them doing that, and they gave Charlie 20, and they guaranteed him another 20 in an option. And they paid Darno a nice eight eight million as a guy who's going to end up being a backup catcher for them. Uh, and you look around the infield and you say, okay, uh, Riley sewed up, Swanson's there, he's going to make ten. Uh, Ozzy sewed up, Acuna's coming back. You know, uh, we have uh, we have a uh, uh, Stephen Vo just hit another home run. I, I think he needs to retire after this game. He's just hit his second. <laughs> I, I, it's career night for him. Anyway, um, and, and you look at that and you say, well, clearly the Braves are flexing their money. Okay, they've got the money. They're trying to settle things down so they don't have any big things to do in the offseason. Why hasn't Freddie done? Well, clearly they're far apart of the money. Um, Darling said that he heard that Freddie wanted Goldschmidt money and a little more, and that makes sense. Um on the, on the show this morning, uh, you know, he said, well, you know, they said, well, you know, he should get Goldsmith's money and then he's going to say, hey, and I've been MVP two years in a row or an MVP one year and, and I'm in the running for an MVP this year and I should get a little more than the Goldsmith. And all, we all agree on that. I, you know, we're thinking five or six years at, at 180 is probably a good year. Seven years, 180 is a good, good number if you want to do that for him because the way he hits the ball, the way he plays the game, he's not going to fall off a cliff like Rizzo's done. And at the same time, Fangraphs today had the unmitigated gall to suggest four years and $80 million. 
<laughs> which which is absolutely ridiculous. And I don't recommend the article simply because there's at least three factual errors in the article beside that ridiculous conclusion. So I just think, yeah, I just, you know, if that's the kind of thing we're talking about, if they've looked at this and said, well, look, we'll give you $100 million for four years or five years, that's not good enough. He's carried yeah. the team for years. He's not going to fall off. Give him the damn money because if you don't give him the money, you need to pack and head for Canada, Alex. Hint for the Fangraphs people, he's already making 22, okay? <laughs> he's not right. going to take 20. No, and, <laughs> he's and, not going to take 22 even. Well, I, I said to him, you know, you're going to, okay, what's your plan B? You let Freddie walk and he signs with the Angels or the, or the Giants who both need a first baseman and both have big pockets. So he signs with the Angels and Giants. How do you replace him? The answer is you can't. The only free, the only first baseman worthy salt out there is Rizzo. And, you know, I'm, I, Rizzo's a nice player, but he can't carry Freddie's boots. I'm sorry. He just yeah. can't. And you're taking away not only the bat and the person and the presence, but you're taking away the icon. Uh, the, the team is built around Freddie. I know that it's built around Acuna and it's built around Albies, but it's really built for Freddie. And, you know, all this mexing around and tittle-tattling money here and tittle-tattling money there, that's just crazy. There's nothing on the books next year. Pay the man. Give me 28 a year for seven years. I'm sure he'd be happy with the extra year and the extra 28. And if you want to front load it, front load it uh, so that you can run the dollars out and, you know, do whatever you got to do to make the thing work long term. But give the man the contract, Alex. Quit tiddling around and playing tiddlywinks here. You know you're going to do it, too, because you want to keep your job. And if you don't, you can't. Let me go ahead and read the Hammond tweet here. It's He says, no numbers have surfaced. This is the section, second tweet. No numbers have surfaced, but the most obvious comp is Paul Goldschmidt, who at thir- age 31, where Freddie is now, got $130 million for five years. That's $26 million a year. Goldie was similarly great before that deal, but Freeman, also 31, has a case that he's the most decorated in MVP, more iconic, and maybe even a little bit better, which is all the kinds of things you were saying. So, yeah, I yeah, 26 is probably the floor. 30 is probably, I, I think, would certainly be the brave ceiling. I don't know if he, if Freddie's looking for something more than that, but uh, I, I would hope not. Uh, I think it would like years more than money. I mean, I think you've got to give him right. 26. I think if you give him 28 for uh, for six years or twenty seven for seven years, as long as you as long as you give him time, get, let him do what Chipper did, retire as a brave, yep, and and let him go out and and pay him what he's earned. If you want to put incentives in it, that's fine. I don't care how you do this, but but please, people, twenty eight million. It's not going to break this club for a guy who's been an MVP. Uh, almost an MVP, and carried this team when the team had no one else. Paid the man. Yeah, what I've been suggesting has been that $28 million level, uh, five or six years plus option one or two or three, something like that, to just to carry him along as long as he wants to play, basically. If if 26 is indeed the floor, and you got to look at that Goldschmidt contract as a, as a true floor because – that's that's an obvious comp. Anybody can figure that out. If the Braves are in at 26, then 
how far I, I got to wonder how far apart they could really be, to be honest. I, it's it's got to be years, I suppose. But uh, ten million dollars apart or twenty million dollars apart is only a couple million per year. So that that can't be that bad, really. It sounds like so. Yeah, I'm with you. Twenty eight million, five or six years. That that should do it. You'd think, and I would think both sides uh, should come together on something in that order, but. Uh, we will see. I'm, I'm a little surprised at the, uh, conclusions of, conclusion that Taman reaches, which is, uh, apparently echoing what Ron Darling said. So I'm, I'm curious as to where this is going to go, but, uh, my suspicion is we've got a couple weeks at the most because if they're talking now, they want to get this wrapped up before playoffs begin. So we need to get something done pretty soon here. If they don't, they've got that five-day quiet period. But I'm going to tell you, if you get to that five-day quiet period, that's he's way going to hit close. free agency. Yeah. He's going to hit free agency, and the Angels and the Giants and the Yankees are going to be there with checkbooks saying, "Hey, oh, we're not scared to pay you." Yeah, yeah. So you do you do not want to get in that situation where where he's a, a week away from true free agency. So. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what we come up with here. But uh, like I say, I think we're in a situation where the next two weeks determine whether we see Freddie Freeman in a Braves uniform after this year. But speaking of other players that we probably don't want to see in a Braves uniform <laughs> again, uh, we had some news today about Marcel Ozuna and how he's going with the legal process associated with his domestic battery charges. And Fred, I'll let you take off on, on this a bit uh, to start with. But uh, th- this is kind of interesting and a little bit concerning in terms of the direction we're going to have to go from from this point. They haven't said they're not going to charge him with anything, but he's agreed to go into a diversion plan, which is essentially an anger management plan, an anger management program. It's six months worth of worth of training and re-education and various kinds of um, things that are supposed to get his mind right and get him ready to go back and become a productive member of society. And, you know, that's going to take a minimum of three months. If he's, if he's a good boy and he does everything on time in the, in the first three months, they could let him out then, which would be well after the season's over. And at that point, you'd expect MLB to come in and say, aha, well, we don't have that burden of proof and we're going to suspend you. And I hope it's at least a year. Manfred has the opportunity to drop the hammer on him and let Trevor Bauer know what's coming. And I think he could drop the hammer on him for more than a season because Sam Dyson, Sam Dyson got a year that uh, got a 162 game or got a, a 2021 suspension because, uh, he was verbally abusive, uh, kicked a, uh, uh, a carrier with a cat in it and, uh, left bruises on the lady's arm and, uh, the, and MLB suspended him for a year. I, I, of uh, a full season, I would not be surprised to see MLB give Ozuna more than a season. I don't ever expect to see him wear a Braves uniform again. Uh, I think that there's a there's a case for Liberty Media to step forward when he does when his suspension does finish, then say 
hey, look, we don't want this guy working for us. We know what he we we know what he can do. We don't we don't have those people in our company, and we're just going to pay this off. Now, maybe I'm daydreaming, but it's an awfully good PR move for Liberty Media if they were to do such a thing. You know, even if they don't, at that point, maybe the new CBA does something to offer relief and a job to people who, to teams who have somebody like this who acts out and does something really despicable and, and hurts, hurts a lady, uh, or a spouse or a significant other or a child. There's a, one of my friends flipped a note to me tonight that, uh, domestic violence abusers have a 30% recidivism rate, which means they're going to do it again. And this isn't the first time. Uh, I know it was supposed to be his wife the last time, but still, uh, there's two people involved in this, and I just, I just don't think the Braves will let, have him play for him again. I think, uh, for one way or another, once the suspension's gone, he's done. But it's not going to be this year. It'll be after the postseason because of the decision, and he'll have to serve his time after that. And once he's done that, then the the commissioner can come out and say what he's going to do. But Alfred's uh, got the uh, the Bauer thing in front of him. And you know he's going to drop the hammer on Bauer. He has to. Uh, and to do that, he's got to send the message with Ozuna that he means it just as well. And frankly, Sam Dyson kicked the cat and, and grabbed the lady's arm and bruised her. He didn't pick her up by the neck and throw her against the wall, even if Ozuna's lawyer said that Ozuna didn't do that. Uh, he's alleged to have done that. I'll say that to keep them from suing me. But I, I you know, even the officer says that's what he did, and I believe that cop. Um, so. If you kicking a cat gets you a year, that ought to get you more than a year, in my opinion. I don't know. I can't say to that, but I, I don't think we'll see him in a Braves uniform again. I don't think the players want him there. I know the fans don't want him there. And, um, you know, and go give him his money and let him go off and, and work in Mexico or, or Taiwan or somewhere, um, and, and get away from here because I don't, I don't want him on my, on my baseball field. All right, let me start here with the sort of particulars that are are involved here. Uh, Ozuna has a four-year deal plus an option with the Braves. It, it, it pays him $12 million this year. It looks like he's going to get that entire salary for this year because he's on a bit of – well, he's not even on administrative leave. He's still essentially on the injured list. They they haven't done uh, what they've done with Bauer and put him on the administrative leave list. Uh, but in any case, he's, he's still a, a inactive member of the Atlanta Braves today, and he's going to get his $12 million. This contract was backloaded. 16 million in 2022, 18 million in both 2023 and 2024. So there, there's still a considerable amount of money on the books there that uh, the Braves are still on the hook for. I am with you. You raised this, the question about the CBA, and I this has been one of my pet peeves for a while. I do not like to see these guys who are accused of crimes or domestic violence or anything nefarious like that that uh, brings ill repute to the sport of baseball, I do not like to see these guys rewarded effectively, getting their money despite the fact that they've uh, done bad things. Uh, yet we continue to be, to be seeing that. I think the highest amount to, to date is uh, Jose Reyes, who was uh, paid $40 million by the Colorado Rockies to go away. For some reason, the Mets decided to hire him later, but that, you know, that's, that's up to the them. Mets. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're, they're Metsing again. But that's a $40 million hit that the Colorado Rockies had to absorb, and it wasn't their fault. 
they weren't the perpetrators. They're, they're effectively another victim uh, of, of the crime. And I don't like to, to see teams have to eat so much money in a contract. And I would like to see that uh, the CBA get a uh, change. And by golly, we're negotiating that this this uh, fall and into December uh, when we're supposed to have a new one here. That might be a great way for the owners to get a little bit of a, a change here. We, we, we've talked about, uh, or we, we've certainly heard about the fact that the, the players union is the strongest union in sports. This is one of the reasons is because uh, they continue to defend the contracts of guys like this who commit crimes, who commit domestic violence, and they end up getting their money one way or another. It would be a heck of a, PR move on the, the side of the players union. If they were to stand up and say, you know what? We're not going to support this anymore. We're not going to back these guys. We're going to allow major league baseball and teams to cancel contracts or sub- uh, severely reduce uh, the financial obligations, at least of these contracts for guys who do terrible things. We're going to let them kick them to the curb. That would be the, the right thing to do. And if that were done, I think that uh, we would hardly have any incidents like this in the future. Uh, but yet you still continue to get one or two of these every year, it seems like. And that's uh, still a black eye on the sport, especially when you end up paying the guys to go away in the end. You know, today it's this uh, $36 million due to, Ozuna in 2023 and 24, I suspect he's going to be suspended at least for 2022 and he's going to lose the 16 million there. But then the Braves would be in theory on the hook for 36 million bucks to, to pay him to go away in 2023. So this year it's that. Next year it'll be Trevor Bauer and, and his millions from the Dodgers. Now, yeah, the Dodgers got the money. Nobody's going to cry for them <laughs> if they have to do that. But at the same time, I think there's a principle involved that you don't want to reward bad behavior. And that's exactly what, what I'm ranting about here is that uh, uh, we continue to reward bad behavior. And if the Players Association and the ownership uh, groups get together and put this in the CBA that you can change these contracts and and get rid of players like this then I think the sport would be much better for it. I think and, I think that yeah. there's a there's a the, the union can't just say we're not going to defend them because the union's position is to defend. Okay? Right. Now, I think that there is a case for uh allowing uh, putting some kind of um, deferred payout to these things where, you know, you pay it out over 30 years or something, and he still gets his money a dribble and drabble at a time. That doesn't kill the team. You know, that if you go out and say, well, they're going to abandon the contract, I don't know that the union would ever give give the team the right to void a contract completely uh, because that would set a terrible precedent for them. But you but could I, put in specific language that, that addresses specific situations, whether it's drug use or felonies or domestic violence or what have you. You could put language in there that says that under these conditions, whatever they may be, narrowly defined as, as you want to do it, you, you could make these things uh, go away. And I, I, don't I would like Tony to see Clark, that. I don't think Tony Clark and Rob Manford get, well, get along well enough to do that. <laughs> I don't. I, I they, honestly yeah. think a lot of this depends – on, on the w- way that the, the two sides work together. 
And as much as I dislike Bub Selig as a commissioner, uh, at least he and Donald Fear worked together and got, they did things that, that I'm sure that, uh, you know, Clark wouldn't have approved of had he been doing them. But I think, I, I, yeah, I just feel like there's, you need goodwill on both sides for this. And I'm, I, I don't know that there, there's any way of a, I mean, I, I would certainly sign up for giving them the kick. But I don't think the union can afford to come out and say that simply because that's not what a union does. Um, unless he goes to jail. If he goes to jail, then the union's going to let you punt him because they have no, they have no grounds. But if, if the police don't commit, uh, don't make it a felony, then, you know, you're, you're, you're stuck with the suspensions and things like they are. And I think the way you do that, you, you let them reduce the contract or at least extend the payout. Uh, if you release uh, release Ozuna, then you pay out the rest of that money at, at three million a year. And uh, I don't care if it takes twenty years to get it. Uh, he's going to get his money, and maybe there's a little interest in that. But still, it doesn't break the team, and that's the point. You're taking a job. You're saying, "Well, I'm giving away this money, and I can't use that money to buy to buy another player." And you know that this guy's supposed to be gone, and I want somebody in there who I can play another one of your guys that's going to get this money, and you have to figure it out that way. Now, I'm not sure that the union would, would jump in on that, but I think there is a case for doing something to mitigate the damage to the teams because, yeah, you're right, the Dodgers can afford it. The Yankees, they can afford it. Uh, the Phillies can probably afford it. Maybe even the Giants can afford it, but most other teams cannot and when you hang out there with a team that's got a $36 million on, you know, you can hire three really good players $36 million a year. And and yep. I just think the small market teams suffer in this, and they end up with it because, uh, you know, well, the, the Rockies got it because they wanted to get rid of Tulowitzki's contract. Um, but in the end, it was just it was just a bad deal for Reyes. And so I don't know, you know, why the Mets took him back other than they're the Mets. Uh, and I just don't think – I just – I don't want to put a man out of his business, okay? I'm not saying he can't work. I just don't want him working for me. And honestly, though, in, in most cases, the, this isn't about whether they'll be able to survive without being a soup oh, no. line. They're not obviously. broke. They're, they're not broke. Uh, but uh, they just – have essentially ceded the ceded the responsibility they have as baseball players to be good citizens as well. And I, I'd still I'm I'm still curious as to how this is going to go in, in the uh, CBA because both sides always look for something that they can use as a negotiating chip, and this certainly would be something that the union could offer up to get something at once. So. Oh, it's something that uh, I want to keep eyes on because there's a, I mean, this is making a lot of news and it's making the kind of news that neither side really wants to see. And there's a lot of money involved and that immediately makes me think that it could come up. Uh, as, as far as that goes, both sides are in fact doing face to face negotiations now, which is both surprising and good news at the same time. So they're getting started early. Obviously they want to take the low hanging fruit in terms of their negotiations early and, and do the hard stuff later. But, uh, the fact that they're even talking at this stage, I think is, uh, good and maybe hopefully has, uh, some hope of, uh, getting an agreement without uh, getting uh, too far down the road of animosity that uh, we saw last year, certainly. 
But uh, that's that's what we see with uh, uh, Marcelo Zuna, and hopefully, uh, I, I think I, I speak for Fred and, and really Jake too as well, that we don't see Marcelo Zuna in a uh, Braves uniform anymore. We hang on to guys like Jorge Soler, who just homered again. So <laughs> the Braves have retaken the lead. We're watching uh, the Nationals game on Thursday as, as we're doing this. So uh, if we get distracted, uh, sorry, but uh, that's we're fans first. So uh, that's that's what we got. Other things that we got before uh, try to wrap things up, uh, the Braves have not exactly been on point lately since they uh, did their mad rush to first place. Obviously, uh, playing games against the Giants and Dodgers and even the Rockies at home, at least they went two and two there. That was actually pretty good. But the the Braves have been a little bit uh, uh, less than stellar last few days, and it comes back to things like uh, pitching and and some offense that seems to be dependent on the homers like it is tonight. Fred, what do you got on that? Well, the, the for a long time the Giants had the had the lead, the most runs scored by home runs by our team. But uh, night last night, night before last, uh, the Braves took that lead away from. Them. Okay, it's decimal points. It it. You know, we're talking, uh, the Braves have a, uh, 54.3% uh, percent of their home runs come, uh, runs come from home runs. The Giants, 54.14. There are four teams with over 50%. The other two teams are the Cubs and the Mets, and they're not going to do anything. When you look at the Dodgers, they're down to 48. The Mil Brewers are at 48. The, the Padres are at 44. The, the real thing that's interesting to me is that, okay, if you're going to hit homers and win games with home runs like Solaire's trying to do the, tonight, you have to do, you have to find out how to win those other games. And the reason that the Giants are leading their division by a couple of games over the quote, the best team in baseball and the best built team in baseball, which isn't looking that way right now, is that they win games where they don't hit home runs. Um, and the Braves only win only only win twenty five percent twenty six percent of them. Everybody else wins thirty to thirty five percent or more of those games. We have to figure out a way to win games where you don't hit home runs because guess what? In the postseason, teams that get on base and and score without hitting home runs win games because you get less cookies to hit in postseason. And I just think you know the Braves are percentage is increasing. Um, and you know tonight's going to increase it some more, and it's fine. You got to have home runs. You got to have a balanced lineup. Uh, we just we just haven't managed to do that. And saying that, the Braves have the highest batting average with runners in scoring position, the highest batting average runner in scoring position of two out in the league. Uh, they they don't strike out as much as some of the other teams when with runners in scoring position, and yet uh, the Giants are scoring more runs. So I'm not sure how this is all working out in San Francisco. I'm looking for the man behind the curtain, and I think it's got something to do with on-base percentage and, and balls in play and things like that. 
But honestly, the one thing that's always bothered me about this team is its inability to string about six or eight hits together two or three games in a row and just score runs out of way without worrying about, oh, well, it's ninth and two inning, two out. Can Ozzy hit a home run for us? Because that doesn't, you know, home run once every ten at bats or something like that. Uh, they don't happen a lot in the ninth inning, uh, and it's just it's just awfully hard to live and die by the by the home run. Uh, Washington, Wash knows about that. He was with the Rangers for years. And that's the way the Rangers got the postseason. And it's just you know you need them, but you don't want them to be the only thing you can do. And right now, that is essentially the only thing the Braves do because you know they're they're eight and twenty two when they don't hit a home run, eight and twenty two. And that's not changing tonight. So uh, you you in the postseason, uh, you give the best pitchers are out there. You're seeing the number one starter, the number two starter. They got days off. They rest. They run the big guys out of the bullpen. They put extra starters in the bullpen, and it gets really tough. So you know, I'm not saying the team can't do it, but I sure we say do it more often. <laughs> Yeah, and you, in the playoffs, you get guys like Max Scherzer, who only gets better when you get runners in scoring position or runners on base or two outs and things like that. So it, it's a you know move, uh, immovable force against a uh, uh, where's the other object? <laughs> the, you push and you shove, and you can't find uh, the kinds of pitches that you normally would hit out of the park in such situations. That's what it really comes down to. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right that uh, this is not a recipe for success in a playoff situation, and you're going to run up against teams Milwaukee and the Dodgers in particular, and the Giants uh, less so lately, but uh, still are, are somewhat formidable there that uh, are going to be pitching quite well. And I think the Braves are going to be a little bit in danger there if they don't manage to shut down the offenses of these teams themselves with their own pitching. And right now we've got two pitchers, Charlie Morton, Max Fried, who are definitely on point and still continuing to thrive uh, even as we get late in the season. And frankly, that's uh, exciting to me, considering that uh, we were saying all the beginning of the season how these guys might be getting run down and start to have great difficulty uh, staying with the innings uh, as they increase their load for over 2020. But uh, that may not be the case with some of these other guys. Ian Anderson, of course, uh, Colorado may have messed him up, you know, as well. Uh, Tuki Toussaint was looking very good early on, not so much lately as, as well. And Drew Smiley, I think we've both almost kind of given up on. But uh, what's, what's your take on what we've got in terms of the, the pitching rotation right now coming into these last uh, three weeks of the season? Well, you know, I think you pretty well got that. You've got, you've got Morton and Freed and Anderson. Uh, Yanoa, you're going to get, you're going to get what you get from Yanoa. I mean, basically, uh, he's, he's living a bubble right now. I'm not sure how long he can keep this up, but I'm all for him doing it for the rest of the year. The, the, I, I think the starters will get through it. I think, but the problem we've got is, boy, that bullpen's problematic. I, the best thing, uh, the Will Smith commercial with him pitching to a little leaguer is, is his ideal <laughs> yeah. position. That's where he should be because he gives up home runs to everybody else. And, and I'm not sure Ella Bruning couldn't hit a home run off him out here. I don't trust him in the ninth inning. What's really bad is I don't trust anybody else in the ninth inning either. You know, you saw Matzik give it up. Uh, we've seen, um, we've seen Mender give it up. We've seen Luke give it up. 
I just I wonder if in the I, I wonder if we don't see Fuller in the bullpen in the post uh, you know, as we get close to the postseason. I wonder if we don't see uh, Kyle Muller come up and 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 that big arm of his in the bullpen. I wonder if you don't see finally see Dylan Lee come up who doesn't walk anybody and does strike people out and for some reason hasn't had a shot yet when we've got Josh Tomlin on the roster and Drew Smiley out there serving up gopher balls. Um, we, we found out Smiley can't start and we found out he can't relieve. I think he's got to have that uh, strained confidence muscle in his neck and go on the IL. I don't want him anywhere near the postseason roster. Uh, he was an $11 yeah. million dollar dud. And he's uh, going to be an $11 million dud. And I say that because this is a family broadcast. And and he's going to be an $11 million dud uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, he's a mistake. And, uh, you know, he is. I just we just don't have anybody. When the Dodgers last year, when they wanted to close it out, who'd they bring in? Urias. They brought in Urias, a starter. Yeah. Uh, then when the, when the Reds closed it out and Kimbrell was struggling, Nady Valdi came in and closed it out. Uh, and you, you see these guys, and, and I don't like using starting pitchers in that rotation, but I just don't think our bullpen can do that consistently in the postseason with one run games. I just, you know, I just, every time Smith takes the mound, I cringe and reach, my, reach for a bottle of whiskey because I don't think he's going to make it. Yeah, I think we're going to have to end up relying on these guys, uh, Morton and, and Freed for, extra innings in the postseason just to give these guys a chance to be successful in the bullpen because I, I think you're right. Uh, consistently, it seems that uh, if you have three or four innings to cover, somebody's going to give up the home run. Maybe two of them are going to give up the home run. And that's just untenable in the playoffs considering you got teams like the Dodgers who are out there trying to exploit every little mistake that you you make, and that is not going to be a recipe for success at all. The Braves are going to be set up for an early exit in the postseason if that uh, happens, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, we've got a couple weeks left, yes, but uh, I don't know if uh, they have plans to, to bring Mueller up. I hope they do. I think he'd be a good candidate. You mentioned a couple other guys that uh, we haven't seen the light of day with. But uh, uh, right now, if I'm Brian Snicker, I'm telling Alex Anthopoulos, look, you know, we've got a couple extra slots on the roster. You need to give me a rotating uh, group of guys so I can see if there's anybody we can use to uh, save our, our bullpen a little bit more here. And, just give these guys some auditions because right now we need it. And uh, I don't know that they can be any worse than what we were experiencing lately because we continue to see an offense that uh, relies on the home runs and we see a bullpen that uh, can't save a one or two run lead, it seems. So uh, right now coming down to the wire, it's it's going to be critical. The Phillies are getting ready to face the soft part of their Scheduled. The Braves are going to have a little tougher road to, to hoe next uh, week or so. I, I think it's going to be uh, very close to the end, and I think that the last week's series against the Phillies is going to end up being important, unfortunately. Uh, so we're going to need all the horses we can get. There is no doubt about that. Uh, any other last words before we get out of here? No, I think that'll. I, I, I think I've said enough for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so there's any question of whether we could uh, fill in the space that uh, Jake left, I, th- I think we've uh, put that to bed, <laughs> fortunately. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I think his wife sent him on assignment somewhere but didn't tell us where. And, and you know, maybe she'll, he'll, she'll let him finish it up at some point. But, uh, yeah, he'll be back next week, tell us what we made, did wrong, I'm sure. That sounds good. All right, well, we'll get out of here. I want to encourage you all to subscribe to this podcast uh, from your favorite subscription outlet. And thank you for uh, taking a listen to these uh, old guys that uh, are trying to glean something interesting about baseball and the Atlanta Braves. We'll look forward to uh, hearing from you in the comments when we post this on Saturday. And we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. This has been the Tomahawk Take Podcast, a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc., Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants, all rights reserved. Some of the musical selections used today come to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. These were pieces written by Kevin McLeod entitled Heartwarming, Continue Life, Autumn Day, and Sovereign. They were modified to fit in the available space. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Any other selections used come via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. I'm skipping the usual banter here today because this is a date to remember with soberness and vigilance. The further we get away from such dates, the more people tend to forget their impact, but we don't wish that to be the case. On December 7, 1941, for instance, the United States was attacked by the Empire of Japan. Shortly thereafter, the United States, with full resolve, unleashed its response in the Pacific Ocean and later on the beaches of Normandy in Europe. On September 11, 2001, the United States was attacked by Islamic terrorists bent on punishing us for our way of life. In the years that followed, our response was relentless and unmistakable. The message through the history of this country is clear. If you attack one of us, You attack all of us, and you will be pursued to the ends of the earth in response. We are the United States of America, and we will not submit. That message remains today, and it is so that we can stand resolved to work hard, play hard, and enjoy the benefits of the freedom we have established. All of that includes our many sports and competitions. That allows us to root for our teams in all good fun, and no one can take that away from us. Go Braves! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.